Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment. And we offer a bit of advice to those who want it. Now, full disclosure, we're not psychologists or psychiatrists, but we are experienced self-help critics. We've looked by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book right here in this very feed. All you got to do is scroll back for that. So we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there. And besides, we are not here promising to make you the best, richest, happiest, most 100% version of yourself. I mean, it's in the title. If all goes well, we'll just help you get a little closer to fine. All righty, Jolenta, we have a couple of great advice letters to get to later in the show. But first, as usual, let's kick things off with our hot topic. What is it? Oh, do let's. Today's hot topic is the great divorce. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's not a tiny divorce. It's not a mini divorce. It's a great divorce. Yes. <laughs> but Jolenta... What is the great divorce? For those who don't know. <laughs> the great divorce is a reckoning that many feminists on TikTok think is a coming. 
I got to tell you, Jolenta, this is not just on TikTok. I have seen rumblings about this in other places, too. Okay. (laughs) And full disclosure, listeners, the great divorce means we're all getting divorced. Just kidding. We're not all getting divorced. No, no. We are not (laughs) all getting divorced. But according to some influencers I've seen, a lot of us, especially as women, begin decentering men and putting themselves and their needs first. But hold on, Jolenta. What is life if men are not at the center of the universe? No, we're decentering men. Remember, that was <laughs> even one of the rat girl summer steps. Decenter yes. men. <laughs> and like before we get into the divorce of it all, let's look at decentering men. In theory, decentering men has been an idea since the dawn of feminism. But the term, as far as we use it now, was mostly popularized in 2019-ish by the wellness influencer Charlie Taylor back when she wrote the ebook Decentering Men. <laughs> and in the book, Taylor encourages women to make themselves the main character in their life and imagine new frameworks for happiness that aren't centered around landing and keeping a man. I am all about that. Yes, Charlie. Into it. Totally. Like, I'm not my husband's fucking sidekick. I am my own main character in my own story. And like, caregiving doesn't come first. I come first. Why not like put my wants and needs first? Like, I love it. Yeah. And so lots of creators I've seen on TikTok, like the writer Melanie Hamlet, she wrote that viral article a while back about like why men have no friends. Oh, yes. We might need to have an episode on that at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so much to dive into there. Yes. Also, the creator Hope underscore Peddler. I could not find their real name, but she's great. And Shar Henley. These are some of my favorite creators that have added more nuance to the discussion of decentering men. Hope Peddler even called for a decenter men summer. So we're going to make sure that we are not spending more than, I don't know, 30, 40 percent of our time talking about boys. If you're not talking about your hopes, dreams, or the wild state of the world more than you're talking about some guy, you're failing. You're failing decentermen summer. And Melanie Hamlet, she has made a ton of viral TikToks on the subject. And she really drives home the idea that we shouldn't be giving men the benefit of the doubt. And that's really an integral part of decentering men. Stop trusting men! If they have not worked hard to earn your trust, they get none. Because every, at every single turn, they prove that, that my interest is never uh, even considered. That my safety, my feelings, my autonomy, my oh, none of it. So do not trust these men until like you, you have seen through actions, consistency, and just proof, proof, y'all, that they are worthy of your trust. Snap, snap, snap. See, that's how I try to snap as I say snap now. Snaps. Since, oh, here, oh, thank here. You, I'll give you a few snaps. Thank you. Yes. Most listeners know by now I think that I can't snap, but yes. now I just say snap. <laughs> so like, this all sounds great, but there's a bit of an issue, Kristen, which is women seem to be much more on board with decentering men than men do. Oh, what? People at the top of the mountain don't want to not be at the top of the mountain all the time? Yeah. Yeah, they (laughs) like it up there and they're throwing (laughs) some tantrums as we ask them to maybe come down or like meet us halfway. (laughs) Melanie Hamlet came up with the term King Baby, which I love (laughs) as this fun name for the kind of men that, you know, mainstream culture likes to churn out these somewhat infantile men who expect to be like mothered by their spouses. 
And the creator, Shar Henley, explains the concept really well. King babies are the type of men who their wives and their children have to tiptoe around them and walk on eggshells in their house. They weaponize their moodiness with their family to get out of doing things. They probably believe in traditional roles and do little to contribute with the house while wanting all the praise for being a provider and a man, even if your mom goes 50-50 and does all the work and he contributes nothing. So, yeah, what happens when a king baby gets decentered? Uh, I think that just left of center is divorce town. Yeah, a lot of feminists believe that things are headed that way. Basically, this desire to decenter men and this dissatisfaction that women are voicing about having extra caregiving duties foisted upon them by the institution of marriage. A lot of these creators think it's going to lead to a big wave of divorces. The video that introduced me to this idea was by at hope underscore peddler, who I mentioned earlier. She's the one I heard the term the great divorce from. And here's what she had to say. Right now, cishet men and women are starting this game of chicken, so to speak. As women are just now contending with their unhappiness in long-term relationships, men are right now doubling down. They're trying to call our bluff. They're trying to say, listen, uh, I hear you asking for something different, but you've always complied in the past. So if we just hold hold the line, if we hold firm, you'll you'll comply this time as well. But what they're missing is that this time is different. This time you have a bunch of women communicating with each other and figuring out for the first time that their unhappiness within heterosexual relationships, particularly marriage, is a feature, not a bug. And the only reason we're realizing this is because we're talking to one another. Most of us have spent our entire lives being like, I'm just buggy. Either um, there's something about me that's not good at relationships or there's something about the men that I pick. I've got a buggy picker or, um, you know, I just don't have the capacity to be happy in relationships. It's a me problem, right? But because of social media and TikTok in particular, we're all comparing notes. And for the first time, we're getting this freedom because we're like, I'm not buggy. It's not me. I'm not a, I'm not bad at relationships. The system that we have set up for romantic relationships is just a bad system. Uh, yes. Unhappiness in marriage is a feature, not a bug. I for love that. The ladies. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I don't love that it exists, but I love that turn of phrase. <laughs> yes, so do I. So do I. And I really think that is true for so many marriages out there. That is absolutely true, especially in heterosexual marriages, based on what friends and family have told me, what they've been through, what I've right. read. Yes, definitely a feature, not a bug. I mean, it's what drove my parents to split up was my mom was like, I can't handle this level of dissatisfaction. Yeah. And I'm realizing it's what is expected of me in this marriage. And it's like, ew, get me out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, these TikTok theories seem to have a lot of merit. But I wanted to see, like, are these theories, are these things that are actually playing out in the real world right now? Are we all headed towards a great divorce? Yes, I want to know, too, because sometimes things are talked about on TikTok, but that doesn't mean that's a reflection it of It could just mean, like, that's the algorithm I'm in. Yeah, or it could just be like, this is what's on my mind today because I saw a celebrity get divorced. You know? Right, exactly. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a statistical reality, but maybe it is. What, what, yeah. what have you found in your research, Jolanta? 
Right off the bat, I found some interesting analyses published by the Pew Research Center. They looked at census data and noted that the number of single adults aged 25 to 54 was on the rise. According to Pew, in 2019, 38% of adults in that age bracket were unpartnered, which has gone up because in 1990, that number was 29%. So like almost 10%. Yeah, that is a big difference. But I'm curious, how many of those people are people who chose to stay single? How many are actually divorced? How much of this is about the great divorce? Right. So here's what I dug up on divorce. The overall divorce rate hasn't changed that much. And it was actually on the decline a little bit until 2020. Then it started rising a little bit because everyone was stuck with their spouses and was like, wait, shit, do I even like you? (laughs) I was going to say something happened in 2020, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Since the pandemic, it has been rising slightly. A 2017 longitudinal study from Stanford found that women accounted for 69% of the breakups of heterosexual marriages. And the study goes on to say that this finding is consistent with the approximately two-thirds of divorces wanted by wives reported by other studies. So apparently, if you identify as a woman in a cisgender heterosexual relationship, odds are you will be the one asking for a divorce. Mm. And what I found super interesting is that the divorce rate for older adults, namely baby boomers, is rising kind of sharply. Mm. Do tell. Yeah. And this is, I think, partially where the notion for the great divorce is coming from. A 2012 study published in the Journal of Gerontology called The Gray Divorce Revolution. How's that for a name? They found that divorce rates for people over 50 had doubled from 1990 to 2010. I mean, how notable is that? The trend got its own name, like The Gray Divorce. Yes. I remember when this was being written about a lot back then. Some people used L and Tipper Gore's the jumping off point for a bigger conversation, I remember. Yes, that was a big thing for all the articles back then. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yes. And those same researchers published again in 2022, and they stated that 36% of U.S. adults getting divorced are aged 50 or older. And the only age group with an increasing divorce rate is adults aged 65 and older. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that really is gray divorce still. It's getting grayer and grayer, right? Right, right. So divorce rates are rising, but only if you're in this certain age bracket. Wow. And here's another interesting one. A report that came out of Bowling Green State University noted that divorce rates for those aged 45 and older increased for both men and women, although the increase was much greater for women than men. For women aged 55 to 64, their divorce rate nearly tripled from 4 to 11 per 1,000 people, whereas the rate for men in the same group only doubled. That went from 6 to 12 per 1,000. So these older ladies, they are getting out. They were not just getting out 20 years ago. They're getting out now, too. Right. Yeah. They're getting out and they're getting out while they can. And I kind of found this information to be weirdly comforting because my parents like basically had a great divorce. They were Mm -hmm. around 60 when my mom finally initiated a split. So she is basically a shining example of this statistic. Mm hmm. So now that we know some like rough divorce numbers, the rates are rising, but only for boomers, especially older ones. 
let's look into why they might be happening in the first place. Because the creators I've seen basically say that this rise in divorce is happening because women are wising up to the fact that men benefit from marriage and women kind of don't. Ah, yes. Women have historically carried a greater burden in marriage, but I'm sure you have a lot of statistics to back that up, Jolenta. Let's hear some of them. Let's get into all these fun facts I found about the institution of marriage. A lot of the stuff I found implies that women in cis-het relationships do kind of get the shitty end of the stick, Kristen. (laughs) A 2008 study out of the University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research found that, quote, having a husband creates an extra seven hours a week of housework for women. And for men, a wife saves men about an hour of housework a week. So being married adds work to a women's life and detracts work from a man's. Great. Yeah, fellas, clean up after yourselves. No, they don't. (laughs) No, only an hour's worth. In 2013, the Pew Research Center published a report on modern parenting, and they found that men spend more time than women in leisure activities, which includes TV time, playing games, sports, and a series of other activities, and that men tend to spend five more hours on leisure activities than women per week. Yeah, that's great when there's a child that's relying on you to stay alive. Yeah, gotta get that sports time in. Fuck parenting. Yeah, because notably, this was a study on modern parenting. But right, dudes, they need that. They need that five hours of leisure time. So yeah, while their wives basically don't get that. And that Stanford study I mentioned earlier noted that wives report lower relationship quality than husbands, while men and women in non-marital relationships report more similar relationship quality. So somehow that label or that institution, once a relationship is functioning within it, literally makes women enjoy the relationship less than if they didn't have the title of husband and wife. It's almost as if the dudes are saying, well, locked it down. I don't have to try anymore. Oh, my gosh. You're right. How gross is that? (laughs) I don't have to woo you anymore. You're trapped. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, basically. Let's do one more. In the UK, a 2021 YouGov survey found that 38% of women who work full-time and have a partner say they do most of the housework and childcare. Just 9% of working men with partners say the same. Yeah. Come on. That's basically 10% to 40%. That's bullshit, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. This is not just this YouGov survey. This happens all over the world. And next, Kristen, I want to talk to you about this really interesting paper I found that was published in 2022 in Current Opinion in Psychology. And this paper suggests that women's evolving role in society is to blame for this poor division of domestic labor and the rise in divorces at an older age. Hmm. So this paper says that, quote, mismatches between women's evolved preferences and configurations of modern marriage often clash, producing dissatisfaction. Women's unprecedented career ascendance also affords women ever more freedom to leave. Although women's professional success has helped emancipate them politically and economically from men, it also makes women and men less interdependent, changing the benefits of marriage and the cost of disillusion. You know what I have to say about interdependence, Jolenta? What? It can be good here and there, but I personally prefer just independence. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's basically the shift this paper is alluding to that, like women want independence in their relationships now, not 
interdependence. Like we are independent in our careers. We're soaring to heights we've never soared to. You Mm -hmm. know, we got a female vice president. But like also we're expected to like be dependent on a man to bring home the bacon. And those two things are conflicting. And this paper goes on to say that decreased interdependence could change a woman's willingness to tolerate annoyances in their marriage by altering their welfare trade-off ratio, i.e. the willingness to sacrifice personal welfare to increase partner's welfare. This framework predicts that many women will be less willing to tolerate unsatisfying treatment from their partners and more willing to escalate conflicts because they are in a better position to walk away. Absolutely. Yes. And To go back to the independence thing, it gives us freedom so we're not trapped in bad situations anymore. Independence is a great thing. Interdependence in a lot of ways is a polite way of saying the system is designed for women to be dependent Dependent on on, financially. Yeah, interdependence is almost a gentle way of saying something that's not gentle at all. Yeah. Right, right. And it's like, if you look at the institution of marriage, it's relatively new that it was between two equals and not you know, a sort of property trade agreement between two men. Um, (laughs) Yes. And I also love what this paper is saying because it's basically the same reasoning my mom used to end her marriage. She was basically like, wait, I have the means to not tolerate this bullshit anymore. I can literally afford to get out of here now. So let's go. Yes, yes. And she no longer had to worry about small children. I mean, you were already out of the house. You were already grown. Right, exactly. I was going to say, having children helps breed interdependence because, like... Because children are dependent. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's some interdependency going on when you have a liberal dependent. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, based on everything I could find, Kristen, it looks like we could be headed towards a great divorce if we don't change a few things, you know? So what do we do if we don't want to head towards a great divorce? Don't get married. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) or we need to start changing things. We need to maybe, as a society, look at the institution of marriage and what it means now. We, you know, need to educate ourselves and grow and try to maybe change gender roles. In that same paper I was just talking about, they mentioned that men who take on duties that are traditionally thought of as women's work are like given shit about it when they're at work. So we maybe we should stop what? doing that. We literally deter cis straight men from taking on tasks in the home when we like give them shit about it at work. Why would anybody give a guy shit for doing the vacuuming? Be like, oh, you got to go pick up your kid. It's like, yeah, yeah, because that's what having a kid means sometimes. What? Oh, my God. I had no idea. Right. So that's a trend. And we should stop doing that. We should stop actively deterring men from taking on the jobs we want them to help with. Or just step up and do because it's their job. Right. I don't even want your help. I want you to do your job. Your job is to carry half the weight here. We're looking for equal partnership here, not like men benefiting from a domestic helper. Yeah. And this sort of, to me, just hints at the idea that maybe, like I said, we should reimagine what coupling looks like in order to stay together. Like we might need to break down gender roles, reorder division of labor so it's more equitable, foster emotional intelligence in some people. And if we do these things... It does seem like relationships can flourish, but it means going against a lot of deeply ingrained societal expectations of marriage. 
the fact that I could find basically zero information about same-sex couples shows that we don't know a lot about being coupled. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not looking at the whole picture. There's also basically no information about couples involving non-binary partners or couples that are poly. Mm -hmm. From what I could find, it does seem that divorce rates are around 50% overall in same-sex couples, regardless of age bracket. So possibly... They have more stable relationships than straight people, but we don't know because, like, we're not looking into it that hard. So perhaps if we broaden our scope of study, we could learn from people who are in non-traditional roles that are making it work better than us. But if these changes aren't made, a lot of folks are speculating that, that the gray divorce boom is going to be followed with a great divorce boom, where yeah. the rest of us are... Doing a little bit of Suzanne, a little bit of your mom. Following, we'll following in our in parents' your mom's footsteps. footsteps. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and also, one thing that's really interesting, and this gets back to something we clearly need to touch on, is women also seem to have more openness to different support systems. They're more open to living with friends, living with family, and having sort of non-traditional support systems to raise children in. And it's like, yeah, we're finding comfort and stability outside of the institution of marriage. So maybe women are actually just fine not being married because we have all of these other social support systems for us. Maybe because, to go back to what you said earlier, Jolenta, marital unhappiness is actually a feature, not a bug. Right. Maybe because of that, it will actually just change the expectation that we should get married. Maybe we won't get married at all. I was kidding earlier when I said don't get married, but maybe in the end we'll realize that we don't actually need to get married anymore. Right. Yeah. There was that statistic where literally coupled people are more satisfied with their relationships than married women are. So it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, maybe just that label puts us in these roles and lets men sort of act out these immature roles that society puts them into. And like, maybe without that title, we'll do better. But yeah, it looks like if I am trusting the numbers, we should be looking to educate ourselves on marriage and looking at more non-traditional ways of living life and coupling up if we want to make sure there isn't a, a great uncoupling. (laughs) What do you think, Kristen? Do you think that our society is headed towards an anti-marriage reckoning? Well, Jolent, I find it interesting because you and I grew up in the great divorce boom as little kids. You and I grew up in the latchkey kid era. Yes, yes. Your parents getting divorced later was an anomaly in my world, at least. Most people's parents were getting divorced while we were in grade school, middle school, or whatnot. Fifth grade was was the year for me. There were lots of like fights between parents in parking lots at school. Yes, yes. And that was one era of divorce where a lot of women were just like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Yeah. I don't have to. This is terrible. And there were more laws suddenly in place to help women. Women could have their own credit cards finally, for example, which they couldn't have until the late 70s, I believe, in the U.S. But there were more opportunities for women to actually not be married if they didn't want to be anymore when we were growing up. But then this other thing happened after all that, Jolenta, which I find really fascinating, which is the year I graduated from college in 1999, I believe was the last year that there was gender parity in university enrollment between the sexes because fewer and fewer and fewer men want to go to college now. Fewer and fewer men are pursuing 
professions that pay more. Fewer and fewer men are doing certain things in our current economy that would help them to be that breadwinner in days of yore. And more women are doing that. And more and more boys are, according to some studies, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, falling behind. Mm. There have been books written on that. Hannah Rosen's The End of Men, of Boys and Men, which came out earlier this year. So I, I think this is also a bigger question of what is happening with boys and men in our society. Why are so few of them motivated anymore? And why are women motivated to go after that tin cup, to go after the success? And why do so many men want to be those king babies that you mentioned? The king babies where I just have fun. I need my five hours of leisure a week. I'm not going to do anything. Take care of me. And what's happening in our society where that's the case and where that's allowed? Right. Yeah. And if we can sort of respond to that aspect of society, you think marriage could be helped out a lot? Yeah, I think it could. Because I think it is a bigger question of like, not just the gender roles that have changed for women over the years, but the gender roles for boys and men, too. Right. That either have changed or like haven't and need to, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So what do you think, listeners? What are your thoughts on the great divorce? Have you recently uncoupled? Were you the one who asked for a divorce? If you're a woman, let us know all your thoughts on the institution of marriage. Do you think we should all get divorced? Hit us up at kristenandjalenta at gmail.com. Or you can always weigh in on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash kristenandjalenta. Coming up, a letter writer wants help with a shifting friendship. Stay with us. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Hey, everyone, we're back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say? Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I'm hoping for advice around a friendship. My best friend and I have always ebbed and flowed like any friendship over 30 years. 
We met in kindergarten and are now almost 40. But over the last few years, I feel like she has flowed right away from me. I've talked to her over the years about feeling like I don't matter that much to her. So this isn't quite the first time I've felt this way. So that heightens my feelings. However, at this point, I feel like I'm doing all of the work to maintain our friendship and have been for a while. You can only ask someone to get together so many times and they're too busy for you so many times before it starts to hurt. I also know she isn't too busy to have social plans, though, of course, we both have other friends and should. I'm making her a priority in my life based on how things used to be and realizing I'm just not one in hers. I'm hurting and I'm just not sure what to do. Have another conversation about this, except that our friendship simply isn't what it was and have a more casual relationship. I feel rather taken for granted, and it's hard to accept that someone just doesn't care that much about me anymore. Also, new friends are so much easier said than done. I live in Minnesota, and it's so, so hard to make friends after your 20s. I've seriously tried. Oh, letter writer. That last sentence. Minnesota. Okay. Surveys have been done. Minnesota is supposedly the hardest place in the U.S. to meet friends. So, Really? Yeah. It's so sad. It really is. Is it just because everyone's so cold they're inside and they're like, (laughs) I can't, I can't bother with a new friend. I just need to stay inside. I blame it on this weird version of extreme Minnesota politeness. So, for example, Mm. oh, come on in for a cup of coffee. Oh, no, I couldn't be a bother. Please, it's not a bother. Oh, really? I don't want to waste your time. It's not a waste of time. I just poured a cup. Look, look, I didn't waste any time pouring this cup. Oh, come on. I, I, I just don't know if I could. So, I feel like part of the Minnesota culture is people subconsciously think that they are always being a burden on others. And because Mm -hmm. of that, they turned down every invitation at least three times. I think it was Garrison Keillor who said, the polite Minnesota thing to do is to deny at least three times. (laughs) And I hate to say it, but I think it's so true. Like, oh, I couldn't be a bother. Oh, no, I don't want to waste your time. Oh, no, please don't. Oh, don't put yourself out. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to always ask people to hang out and eventually feel like I can't make any friends in this stupid place because nobody will say yes to anything. (laughs) So Minnesota is, I will say letter writer, famously tough as far as making friends. This is not on you at all. It's not. We know that you're lovable. We know you're terrific. We know you have a lot to offer. We know that all of this is true, but you're in a place where it's not easy to make friends. But let's get back to your bigger question here about friendship waning. And I'm going to say I've been on both sides of this equation. I have been the person who I'm like, "Mm, why am I always the one making plans? Oh, does this person even like me anymore? Oh, I'm going to have a heart-to-heart talk. Oh, the heart-to-heart talk didn't really lead to change. Oh, why don't they love me? What's wrong with me? Why don't they care? Why am I not a priority? Why don't I matter? I've been that person. But I've also, unfortunately, been on the other side of things where I just feel Mm -hmm. like, well, We had some really great memories at certain points. We had formative experiences, but those memories aren't necessarily who I am right now at this point in my life. Those are memories. And what I need right now in my life and what I connect with most and what makes me feel most alive and most loved, what I have the most to learn from, what I have the most to offer to is a friendship that's not based on those memories, but about other things right now. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this letter writer, but as somebody who's been on both sides of things, I think this is just how life is sometimes. I think sometimes 
our friendships shift. Sometimes we need more from certain people. Sometimes we connect more with certain people. Sometimes we feel more heard and valued with certain people. And some people bring out certain things in us that are just more in line with the here and now of how we see ourselves. Yeah, I would agree. And like Kristen said, it sounds like you're a great friend. It sounds like you have a lot to offer and this isn't on you. And I feel like you kind of gave what I would consider part of your answer in your question when you asked, like, should I just accept that our friendship isn't what it was and maybe have a more casual relationship? And I'm not saying like categorize it as like casual forever, but like be able to take it where it's at. Clearly, this person isn't valuing the effort you're putting in right now. Who knows what's going on in their personal life, in their internal struggles. It probably has nothing to do with you because you sound awesome, but you might need to accept the fact that like they aren't going to be a person you're calling and hanging out with super often right now, even if they were in the past. And that doesn't mean the relationship is dead or anything. It's just different. And you do have a long history I'm in a relationship very similar and it ebbs and flows. There are times where I've been like, this person doesn't understand me at all, like who I am right now. And I don't know how we'll ever see eye to eye again. And then in a year or something, like one of us will text about some like random thing we forgot about. And it's like, oh, wait, I love this person. They matter to me. It's just not going to look like when we hung out every day and we're texting nonstop. And it's a little bittersweet and it's sometimes hard when you're sort of the one realizing like, wait, did our relationship shift without me even like okaying this or being a part of it? But it's just sort of the nature of, of friendships. They don't always stay at like the same level all the time. And that doesn't mean you guys won't be closer again someday. But it seems like right now you're both sort of drifting apart. Like you would rather write this question than go to them with it. That also tells me something, too, that like it seems like you don't really want to put the energy into confronting him about it. So like you can just let it sit where it is and, you know, stay open. Yeah. And I don't think a confrontation is necessary. Relationships shift. Relationships change, as you were saying, Jolenta. And not everything needs a confrontation. Things ebb and flow. And I also just want to say this doesn't discount the friendship you've had. Those formative years are not less important, those years you spent together. Yeah. And the relationship is important, even if it's not a current priority. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say do what you can to accept that things shift and change and maybe examine yourself and look at people that you've maybe shifted away from a little bit. Maybe there are people that you've distanced yourself a little ways from. And maybe some of those people, maybe you want to get closer to right now at this point in your life. And maybe look back at friendships that maybe served a purpose at a certain time in the past, but maybe they can serve a purpose for you again. Maybe old coworkers, maybe old classmates. You know, maybe look through all of those people on Facebook who you're friends with and think, hey, which one of those people would I actually want to get together with again? And I think that can be a great first step, especially in a place like Minnesota, to yeah. igniting old friendships and maybe meeting new people is just going through the list of people who you're already connected with in some way. And, you know, it's not necessarily going to be easy or overnight, but it can happen. Jolenta, you and I live in New York, so it's not quite the same as Minnesota. We know that. But We've met many, many friends over the years post-college. You and I met way past college. It's true. You can absolutely meet lots of friends 
in your 30s. And some of my dearest friends are people I met in my 30s. You can do that too. We know you can. We believe in you. Follow your your interests. That's what I always say on this show. If you really want to try and make some new friends, go do stuff you like and find people there because then you at least have like a bit of a shared language, a bit of a topic you know you can always go back to. And that's always really helped me if I'm looking to make a new connection. Yeah, you can do it. We believe in you and you're a great friend. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, an advice seeker has a holiday-related question. Stay with us. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We are back with our second letter of the day. Kristen, hit it. Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, it's that time of year when well-intentioned family members ask me for Christmas gift ideas for me and my kids. The problem is, I find it's a big mental load to come up with ideas and to keep track of which ideas I gave to each person. You might say that I'm ungrateful, that I should be happy, that people want to buy gifts for me and my kids, but no, receiving gifts is a bit of a burden because we have to figure out where to put the new stuff. As you can see, gifts are definitely not my love language. How can I tell my extended family that I do not want to manage gift ideas this holiday season? It's just another chore that's forced upon me during the holidays. If they see something that they think that I would like or that my kids would like, that's a much more meaningful gift. I feel you. I hate being in charge of gift lists, and I hate that it often falls to the mom, to the wife, to be sort of in charge of remembering what everyone wants and remembering which relative was told about which things each person wants. Like, it's a pain in the ass. I do it a little bit with Brad because his birthday is also in December. So I get bombarded with like, what does Brad want for his birthday and Christmas? And what I do is I outsource as much as I can. I have Brad make a list. He needs to come up with what he wants. Your kids have ideas for what yes. they want. And you can you can help steer them if they are like are really young and are like, I want, you know, an airplane. You you can help like reel it in a little bit, but like everyone knows what they want. And then you can compile it and sadly do what I do, which is literally mark off different items and say who I told about it in some sort of like master list that I keep. But yeah, try to have the people who are getting the gifts write their wish list and just give it to you if you still have to be the person that's in charge. 
Also, if you don't want stuff and like I feel you, I try to say this, it doesn't always like penetrate. You can just maybe keep your list real simple this year and say, we're all looking for experiences. We all want a digital pass to that concert that's in England or a class for something or an excursion somewhere. That way you don't have to push it away. You may have to do stuff later on, like activities, but I find the easiest way to get people away from buying like stuff, stuff that accumulates that you have to put somewhere is to really give them only one option that isn't stuff, stuff, you know, and be like, <laughs> you got to steer them away from it real hard because like they want to get you that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my recommendations. Have the people who are getting the gifts make the lists like you don't need to make all the lists. They can make it and give it to you. And if you want to keep it simple, be like, our list is an experience. That's all we want. Yeah. Then that makes things a lot simpler. I totally agree. And one thing my mom used to do is on Thanksgiving while the turkey was cooking, she'd say, well, now is the time to plan for Christmas. So each of you sit down and write a letter to Santa. And then what's great is the other family, if they came over, they could all Ooh. look, oh, let me see your Santa letters. What's in your Santa letters? And then smart. that way, my mother did not have to keep track of this crap. She oh didn't want to have to do it. And this was a way to let us be speaking for ourselves, to keep us out of the kitchen, to help relay vital information to other family yeah. members. So that's what we frequently did in my household. Another thing is my mom would, at a certain point, I forgot what age it was, she just told family members like, you know what, from now on, just get the kids clothes. You know, mm. Christy is into pink right now. Carrie is into purple. Just get them clothes. And all she would say is like, this is what they're into now. You know, Christy is into dogs. Carrie is into rainbows, whatever it is, whatever we're into. And because my mom also just hated stuff around. She was very much a minimalist. She did not like decor. She did not like stuff that was useless. But clothes were always useful. And right, right. that way, they were things we could actually wear. And if we didn't wear them or they were the wrong size, we could either return them and buy clothes that fit or we could donate those clothes to other people. But those are two options there. And then you, letter writer, can just focus on just getting your kids a few different items for the holidays that are very specific to them after you give those generalization lists to other people. So that's another option, too. You know, the, the experience or the clothes. I like the generalization list. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a generalization list. The kids are into this, or this year it's clothes, or this year it's experiences. You choose knowing that. Right. Give it a theme. Give it some specificity, mm -hmm. and that that will help. Yeah, but I think what Jolent and I are saying is, this is not worth breaking your neck over. This is not something that you have to fix. It's not something that you have to put a lot of effort into. We just want you to relax this holiday season. Yeah. We want you to have less crap in your house. And we want your kids to speak for themselves. And if they can't, we want you to just name some categories so it's easier. <laughs> exactly. We hope that helps. And we hope you don't get too much stuff. Yeah. Happy holidays. That's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Big, big thanks to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. 
Reminder, you can always weigh in on the conversation at facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen and Jolenta. You can also follow us on Instagram at how to be fine pod. And you can join our Patreon community. That's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Yes, it's still listen to buy the book. And when you do, you get access to a weekly episode where Jolenta and I talk exclusively about what books we're reading. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Until then, stay fine. Stitcher. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, Practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.